Welcome to Chan's The Man Apologetics. I'm your host, Chan Heron, where I discuss doctrine, apologetics, behavior, the Christian worldview, and sometimes just tell stories. Sometimes when I get the opportunity, I do look for a chance to steer a conversation towards spiritual things. One night, April and I, when we were living in Texas, we went out to eat. The kids were real little, and we didn't take the kids, so we kind of had a date night. And the waiter came over. We'll call him John. He was real outgoing. And usually, I try to gauge the situation to see if I could steer the conversation towards spiritual things. And so John was pretty outgoing. He was checking on us. He was, he was striking up small talk. And so I was thinking to myself, this guy would be a great person to have a conversation with about spiritual things because I think he would be open. So there was one part when he came over during the night and I asked him, hey, John, what do you think is on the other side of this life? He said, you mean like life after death? And I said, yeah. And I will never forget his response. He said, well, I believe that when you die, your molecules dissolve. And if you've lived a good life, your energy floats to the highest part of the cosmos. But if you've lived a bad life, your molecules dissolve and your energy floats to the lowest part of the cosmos. What? Listen, I have two master's degrees. I went to Southwestern Seminary, went to Biola University. I have studied apologetics for a number of years, and I have never, ever, ever heard the floating energy theory. I remember looking across from the table at my wife, and she gave me this look like, good luck with that one. So what do you do? Well, in a situation like this, I'm so glad I had my tactics. There are certain tactics that a Christian needs in order to stay in a conversation. The number one tactic to use is called the Colombo tactic. Now, the older generation may know about Lieutenant Colombo, played by Peter Falk. Police detective show in the 70s, late 60s, early 70s. Lieutenant Colombo would come up on a crime scene, and it looked like he just rolled out of bed. His hair was unkept. He was chewing on a cigar. He had an overcoat. He looked like he didn't know what he was doing, but that was on purpose. He wanted the bad guy to let his guard down. And so he began to just ask questions, ask questions, ask questions. There's something about this thing that bothers me. Let me ask you a question. And he would ask questions, 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 questions. And he would turn away like he was walking off and say, just one more thing. I'm sorry, I can't help myself. I just got to ask a good question. And that's what we should do. The Colombo tactic is this, asking strategic questions to productively advance the conversation. You see, a lot of times in a conversation, Christians get caught up with saying, making statements rather than asking questions. Questions are so important in a conversation. 
So let me give you three applications of Columbo, and let me give you three key questions that you can ask. So the first application of Columbo is to gain information and to stay out of the hot seat. Now, you may not know how to proceed in a conversation. You might need a little bit more information. And there is a key question that goes with this, and it is, what do you mean by that? In our culture, we need to make sure that we are challenging people to define their terms. So if someone were to say, do you believe in evolution? Using the Colombo tactic, you would say, what do you mean by evolution? If someone says, hey, Christian, can you prove that God exists? You might say, what do you mean by prove? So this question gets you valuable information and keeps you out of the hot seat. So back to the restaurant with John. I said, John, what do you mean by your molecules dissolve? And he said, well, I'm Unitarian. And I immediately in my mind went, aha, that's valuable information because I knew a little bit about Unitarian, Universalism, which basically holds the view that almost all religions are the same. People have different paths to God, but it's the same God. And I kind of stored that information in the back of my mind. He said he's Unitarian. He didn't want to believe in one God, such as Christianity or Jesus, and then get up to heaven and say, oh, crap, it's Buddha. Those were his words. So the first question, what do you mean by that, helps you know what the other person thinks. Then you have the second application of Columbo. The second application of Columbo is to reverse the burden of proof. Here is a great rule to live by. The one who makes the claim bears the burden of proof. What we have to do as Christians is stop getting into the habit of defending every claim that the unbeliever makes. It's not your job. If they make a claim, then they bear the burden of proof to support that claim. Now, here's the key question number two that goes with this. How did you come to that conclusion? So if someone were to say, hey, there's contradictions in the Bible. Really? How did you come to that conclusion? What this does, what this question does, is it actually shows compassion and thinks the best of your opponent. See, I think we should think the best of our unbelieving friends. And what this question does, it assumes that they have thought about their position, that they have done their homework, that they've read both sides of the issue and have good reasons as to why they say what they said. And you know what I found out? I have found out that it's just the opposite, that many times people have not done their homework. They have not read both sides. What they've done is simply repeated a mantra that they have heard. And this question, how did you come to that conclusion, exposes them in a compassionate way and forces them to think carefully about what it is that they're thinking. As I go back to the restaurant, I know now that 
John is Unitarian. And I say, so John, how did you come to that conclusion? And he said, well, since I'm Unitarian, we accept all religions, and I didn't want to get up to heaven and believe in Jesus and it be Buddha. And so my mom and I came up with this, and it keeps us pretty happy. And then it hit me. He made it up. He made it up. This was not some deep theological philosophy that I'd never heard of. He made it up. And I found this out just by asking a couple of questions. The third application of Columbo is to expose a weakness or a flaw in the other person's view. What we want to do here is we want to guide them down the narrow corridor of truth. And the first two questions are kind of passive. With question one, we're trying to figure out what they think. With question two, we're trying to figure out why they think this. Question three is to exploit the flaw in their thinking. And the third key question with this is, have you ever considered dot, dot, dot? And then you finish the question based on the context or the topic of the conversation that you're having. So I said to John, hey, John, have you ever considered the claims of Jesus of Nazareth? And John said, you mean the Jesus of the Bible? And I said, yeah, he made some very outlandish claims. He claimed to be the son of God. He claimed to be able to do miracles. He claimed that he and the father were one. And he was raised from the dead by God as vindication of those claims. And for the next number of minutes, we had a conversation about this going back and forth. I was able to share with him about the gospel and when I left there, I thanked him for his time. He thanked me for the conversation, and that was it. My goal, to put a rock in his shoe, as Greg Coco likes to say. I don't know what happened with John. I don't know if John became a follower of Christ. Maybe God put others in his path that moved him one step closer to the cross. You see, a lot of times we got to do some gardening we got to do some weed eating. And our goal is to move them one step closer to the cross by giving them something to think about. That's it. It's not my job to play the Holy Spirit. It's my job to be obedient, present a case as best I can, put a rock in their shoe, and let the Holy Spirit take it from there. That's what's so great about this. So we should use the Colombo tactic. And you know, to add with this tactic, I like to use what I call the four powerful phrases. What if you just get stumped? You have no idea where to go. Well, this happens from time to time. And so let me give you the four powerful phrases to say when you don't know what to say. Phrase number one, I don't know. It's okay to say, I don't know. When someone asks a difficult question, we shouldn't try to make it up. We should just be honest. Look, I don't know. And I know why I don't know. Because my knowledge is limited. 
My vision is limited. I can't see the future. So it's okay to say, I don't know. We shouldn't make things up. We shouldn't say Christian slogans. Second most powerful phrase is this. I could be wrong. There's nothing wrong with admitting that. Now, there's a few beliefs that I have that, man, I've got a really tight grip on. For example, I'm pretty sure, 98 to 99.99% sure that God exists. Okay, i got a really tight grip on that. When I look at the evidence for the existence of God, hey, it is, it is pretty solid. If someone were to ask me, well, is it possible that God doesn't exist? Of course, it's possible. But when you look at the evidence, it seems like that that right there is pretty solid. Now, I could still be talked out of it, but it would have to really pry my hands open because I got a really, metaphorically speaking, got a really tight grip on it. But there's other things I don't have a really tight grip on, such as the age of the universe. There's some scholars and theologians that say the universe is old. There, There are those who we call young earth creationists that say the earth is young. And both sides have offered some arguments. So I consider myself a non-radical young earther, but I could be talked out of it. You know, I don't have a very tight grip on that, and I have no problem following the evidence wherever it leads. But it's okay to say, look, this is my position right now, but I could be wrong. The third most powerful phrase is, that's a fair objection. It's okay if an unbeliever makes a good point. We should acknowledge that. One of the big objections that comes up pretty often is the subject of hell. Why would a loving God send people to hell forever? I just can't believe in that. And they bring up that's a they, they bring that up, and I usually respond by saying, you know what? That's a fair objection. I don't like hell either. I wish there wasn't a hell. And I think it takes people by surprise because a lot of unbelievers have this stereotype that all Christians are excited that there's a hell and we can't wait to tell people to go there. And that may be true of some believers, but it shouldn't be. And so I sympathize with them. And then we can have a discussion about hell, and I'll say that that's a fair objection. And then the fourth one is, hey, let me get back to you on that. That's when you just, you, you need more information, you need to do some more studying. There's no necessary reason why you need to be quick on your feet. Many of us are not quick on our feet. That's okay. You just say, you know what? That's a great point. Let me think about it and get back to you on this and then follow through with it. And when you do that, you've grown in your faith. You go study it. You answer the question. You find one that you think is uh, has some scriptural evidence for it. And you come back and say, look, here's what I found. You've grown in your faith. So when you look at the Colombo tactic and the four powerful phrases that go along with it, you can engage in any conversation that you want. And since questions are so powerful, you know what they do? Questions keep you safe during a conversation. 
because they give you valuable intel. Questions are unoffensive. And also, questions protect you because they keep you from having to defend your own view. If you're not making any statements, then you don't have anything to defend. If you're just asking questions, you're keeping the conversation going. And a lot of times that's such a good way to engage individuals. And people like to deal with questions. The second tactic that I'd like to talk about is called the roadrunner tactic. It's also been referred to as the suicide tactic. And what it does, it it takes advantage of many arguments to self-destruct when given the opportunity. Some of the most brilliant people can say some of the most foolish things. And our job is to kind of point it out. And so, for example, if someone ever says, there is no truth, if you apply that claim to itself, then you should say, hey, is that true? Because what the person is actually saying is, it is true that there is no truth. And that's a self-refuting statement. Even if the most brilliant person in the world said it, you can immediately reject it because it's impossible to be true. Suppose I were to say this, I cannot speak a word of English. Well, that's self-refuting because you might say, Chan, didn't you just speak English to say that? Yes, these are self-refuting statements. How about this one? You can't know anything for sure. Really? Are you sure about that? That's the question you would ask. Because what the person is saying is, I know for sure that you can't know anything for sure. That statement is self-refuting. How about this one? Only science gives us truth. Really? Is that a scientific truth? You could also say, what scientific experiment did you do to get the truth that only science gives us truth? How about this one? I have no beliefs. Do you believe that? Because what the person is saying is, my belief is that I don't have any beliefs. Self-refuting. The one you get a lot of is don't judge. You shouldn't judge. Well, isn't that a judgment? I like to say, why not? When someone says you shouldn't judge, you might respond by saying, well, why not? And then listen. Because in their next sentence, they're going to give you reasons why judging is wrong. So they're judging you for judging. It's self-refuting statement. And when you put the Colombo tactic with the Roadrunner tactic and have your four powerful phrases ready to go, you are going to be very capable of engaging in a conversation with an unbeliever and holding your own. So check out those tactics. Try out those tactics. If you want more information on this, check out the book Tactics by Greg Kokel. It is one of my favorite books of all times. I use it all the time, and I teach it to students, and I hope it helps you engage in conversation. Thank you for listening to Chan's The Man Apologetics, where I discuss doctrine, 
apologetics, behavior, the Christian worldview, and sometimes just tell stories. Thank you.